0: everyone and welcome to another episode of UpZoned, where every week we take just one big story from the week in the news and we UpZone it and talk about it in depth. I'm Kia and I am here with John Reuter again. Thank you for coming back to join us, John. I'm glad I didn't scare you away the last time you co-hosted with me.
1: It is a pleasure to be back, especially during what's a big week for Strong Towns.
0: I know. Well, that sort of leads me to my next point, which is, surprise, we are not going to do a traditional episode today. We are not talking about one big news story in the sense of an article that we find in the New York Times or what have you. We're going to talk about the big story in the Strong Towns universe, which is, no surprise, our spring member drive. So before you hit pause and say, ugh, these people are just going to shill on me (laughs) the entire time, I think that you're going to like this one a little bit because I have uh, not just anyone here. I have John here. John is a longtime Strong Towns board member, and he's someone who I think of as like being able to speak to the idea of why we do this crazy membership thing that we do better than just about anyone. Strong Towns is a weird organization in a lot of ways. We are an organization that is trying to change the way that our cities are built, but we are not the ones who are, for instance, putting out a report that is making the rounds around um, various media sites this week about why our infrastructure needs need to uh, refocus on repair, why our spending needs to start neglecting the shiny mega project. And here's the data and the facts. We choose a very different model, which is focused on, you, you the listener, you the Strong Towns member who is out there doing things in your town. So John, since you know Chuck better than probably like his wife and his kids (laughs) and just about anyone on the planet, and you know the Strong Towns story, I would love to hear from you why we do this weird thing we do, if it works, and why as a board member you recommit us to this movement-based membership model every year.
1: Yeah, and let's talk about why it's unusual, right? Because lots of organizations have memberships where they ask people, right, to donate money and to support the organization. And this is part of how organizations get funded. The difference between Strong Towns and a lot of those other organizations is, one, just how much we depend on membership, which it is our single biggest source of funding for the organization, But two, how we prioritize actually having a broad number of members rather than on trying to get the biggest amount of dollars possible from any individual person. And so instead of having an organization that's based on how can we raise as, you know, as much money as fast as we can, we're trying to build a broad based organization that's based on support from lots and lots of people across the country. And please don't make that stop you from making a bigger donation. (laughs) Obviously, we'd appreciate it. Um, But it is an unusual part about this model, whereas most organizations, uh, nonprofits spend most of their time trying to go after those big, big donors. And we spend most of our time trying to think about how we tend to this movement.
0: It's pretty remarkable. I mean, I've worked for other nonprofits before I came to Strong Towns. You work for a nonprofit full-time, John. I think a lot of people hearing this are probably like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like if what you want is to get everyone in America to like chip in a nickel, you would have to turn off your lights tomorrow. What you would really, what would do better is if I could give you guys a thousand dollars. What I like to say to that is, you know, first of all, we're not kidding about what sort of metrics we're tracking. When we sit down and make the spreadsheet of okay, what data points are we looking at at the beginning of our member drive, and what are we looking at at the end? The big one we're looking at is how many unique people have decided to say, "I believe in this work. I believe in this movement. I believe in it." in enough to give a tiny bit of financial support or a large amount of financial support. The amount is sort of relative to who you are and where you are in your life. You know, I give $5 a month to Strong Towns. There are times in my life where I give $5 a year and I've never felt like less of a contributor to this work. The other thing that I think is really interesting is like how we spend your money. Um, Specifically, when you are giving $5 to Strong Towns, we're going to spend it much in the same way that we're going to spend someone who gives a million dollars to Strong Towns. No one's done that yet. If you would like to, go nuts. But we're going to spend it trying to get more people on board, more people engaged in a conversation about the way we build our places so that we can affect a broad culture. That's pretty strange. And it's something that I grapple with all the time. And the longer I'm here with it, the more I'm like, this really is the long game that we should be playing. Lots of other organizations are using those big dollars to do very different things that are important. But I think that until culture changes, we're never going to have the sort of lasting change. I feel like that's my member testimonial. Why don't you tell me a little bit, John, about why you are a Strong Towns member, maybe, and why this membership model still inspires you?
1: Well, to me, it's about supporting this growth of a movement. And that's really at the core, the difference between Strong Towns and a lot of these other organizations that are in a similar space, right, that often are focused on elected officials or are focused on engineers and planners and architects that are really focused on that professional class. Uh, And look, we have many of those people within our membership and we love having those people in our membership. But what Strong Towns does is reach beyond them to the people who live in our communities and our neighborhoods and is building a broad base of people who can act where they are to build Strong Towns. That's where the membership model comes from, is trying to align that belief that the way we're going to change the places we live in is also going to be linked to our ability to grow and maintain this organization. And let, let me just stay with it. So, so Chuck and I were driving in a car near Sandpoint, which is the most beautiful city in the country. Uh, it's a small town, about 6,000 people, like uh, right? on the city council and whenever I can, I try to, I try to plug it again. Anyway, <laughs> we were actually driving up around there. I had come out to meet with Chuck to talk about our model, our financial model of how are we going to raise money for this movement? And specifically, we were talking about how do we raise some of these bigger dollar donors and how do we have a major donor program and where do we go and what do we do? One of the great things and one of the frustrating things about Chuck is that, uh, uh, you know, he is a Midwesterner to his core and that humility to his core and someone who feels deeply uncomfortable asking anyone for money ever. (laughs) Um, So he was struggling with that whole idea of needing to go out and ask for big bucks. And he said to me, maybe this just comes from my deep sense of discomfort in going out there and having those conversations. But how important is it that we raise money that way versus that we actually make broad assets of our membership? And I had a long pause there because that was a very different way, particularly at that point in time, to think about how you built a movement. And, and you know, after a couple of minutes, what I, what I said to him was, you know, I think you actually might be onto something. Because the reality is, if we can make it so that our core funding relies on us reaching as many people as possible and having and building deep connections with them and providing them um, something of value that helps them make their community stronger, then that'll ensure that what lets our organization have the revenue it needs to exist is aligned with what makes our organization effective in helping people build strong places. And that's where this model comes from, where we're tracking not the number of dollars raised by a membership drive, but the number of members generated by a membership drive, right? That's the key number for us, because when we think about things in that way and believe that, yes, the revenue will follow, but we'll also be building the stronger movement, it aligns our financial incentives to grow a movement and to have a strong organization with our mission incentives to grow a strong movement and have an impact out in communities, and that's why we have this particular uh, financial model, and it's why I feel so good about being part of the model and making a donation annually to Strong Towns. The reason why is because I know I'm contributing to building a stronger movement, and that the way that I'm contributing even is actually helping strengthen that movement and build a stronger, you know, build a stronger community for us to all be in. Does that
0: make sense? It does, and I think it sort of shows how we walk. The walk, you know, of like the, the talk that we're talking about all the time about feedback in our cities. We talk constantly at Strong Pounds about how the places that we live in need to be responsive to feedback. And the feedback that we're listening to most is are a few powerful people saying we believe in this? Great. Are thousands of people around the country saying we believe in this we don't know exactly how to do it maybe we don't have the means to do it on a great scale but like we're gonna try that says something more amazing to me there's a story that's going to be coming out on the podcast um on the other podcast soon strong towns proper podcast i believe i'm trying to get my member story straight but it's about a high school teacher in north dakota who Got his students basically to watch the curbside chat, the flagship Strong Towns presentation that Chuck gives all over the country. They watched a video version of it and they wrote papers about how it could apply in North Dakota. They sent those papers to the governor, which is a guy named Doug Burgum who also happens to be a Strong Towns member. And Doug actually came and met with the students. And that's how we picked it up. You know, like I I run mostly the communications and media for Strong Towns. So I have a little Google alert. You know, I'm pretty scrappy in the way that I gather my data. And, you know, I get a Google alert that says students meet North Dakota governor and here's why. I think that if we were the kind of organization that was just talking about how are we reaching people in centers of power, we would have poured all of our effort into trying to get Doug Burgum on the line trying to get the governor of North Dakota to implement changes but the reason that he believes in us I believe you know I'm not to speak for governor Burgum too much is that we're the kind of organization that is equally interested in those high school students because they're the next generation that's going to fundamentally change the way that we view culture they believe in that public school teacher who is going to you know, reshape the way that people think about the way their towns are built. And I just, I love that story. It tickles me because, yeah, it does still have the governor involved. But more importantly, it shows how we can grow coalitions that are going to grow completely new places. And I just, I love that story. You all should look out for it very shortly.
1: Those are the kind of stories that I think like surprise me how they happen more and more and more. And you can check out like strongtowns.org slash success to read these stories coming in from all over the place. But it's just, it's organic things of people reading this message, thinking about it, and then applying it to where they live and coming up with all sorts of things um, that we couldn't have done through a method that was like, you know, we will tell you exactly what to do. Right. Or if, if it was all a command style organization where we felt like we needed to own every action or every decision, but instead having a movement where people make their own decisions, where people think these things for themselves, where Strong Towns helps people learn to fish and teach people to fish rather than fishing for them, has changed the scope of what's possible in our work and the ability for it to reach so much further. And and that's because of our members and our readers and the people, right? Membership is just an indicator of how that message is spreading to, to thousands and over a million people a year now reading the site.
0: I got to say one more thing, John, um, when you were talking about how Chuck has a Minnesota based allergy to asking for money and to asking people to basically invest in his work because he's going to put his nose down and he's going to do it no matter what. I couldn't help but think back to the first time I heard Chuck make a membership ask at a live event. It was at our Tulsa Summit out in Oklahoma a few years ago. And Chuck got up on the stage and he made his little ask. And a few minutes later, he came down and he said, You know, Kia, how'd I do? I know you used to work in a more fundraising focused role. Do you have any tips for me? And I was like, "Well, Chuck, you said sorry about four times like, you know, like <laughs> per <laughs> sentence." <laughs> you know, you said the word desperate about eight times and you blushed the whole time. But when Chuck talks about things that our members do, our individual members do, there is no trace of that because that's really the soul of our approach. And, you know, if you're listening to this and we haven't sold you yet, give us a call. You know, like we're going to be sending out a phone number at the end of this week where any member of the Strong Town staff, including Chuck himself, will be willing to chat with you about, you know, I'm not so sure about this membership model. Wouldn't it make a lot more sense if you guys were a more traditional lobbying group or a think tank? You know, and we'll talk to you and we'll hear your ideas. We promise to listen. I think that's probably as good a note to end on as any. I, mostly, John, am dying to get to the down zone part of our program where I ask you what you thought of that Game of Thrones finale last night.
1: Oh, can we can't do any spoilers, though, right? We can just say no if like it or hate it, right? That's basically all we can say at this point.
0: Yeah, yeah we can dance around some things. We can hint <laughs> if you I, want.
1: I want. I want to just add one more thing before we do, right?
0: Oh, yeah. Would okay. You, before we, we talk about dragons, I guess we can talk some more about this. Go ahead. No, no. We
1: should get to dragons soon, though, which is just... We do accept, and we are trying to raise money from bigger donors too. I don't want to leave like some mistaken impression that's not of it, but you alluded to this earlier, but when we do, what we ask them to invest in is the building of the stronger movement. And by investing in that stronger movement, it means that we're not reliant on those big donors to come back year after year after year, but instead are actually building a movement. Some of those people become members and that's actually what sustains the organization. And so having membership be the core of the organization and be what sustains the organization means that we really, even when major donors come in and bigger foundations come in, that at the end of the day, the people that this organization belongs to, the people that we serve, the people that we're built around, um, are our membership and our readers and, and are people like you that are listening to this to this podcast. And I think that's one of the really incredible things about Strong Towns. You know, as opposed to the world of Game of Thrones, where it's all about (laughs) the big powerful forces and who's got a dragon or an army.
0: Yeah, exactly. That was a seamless transition, John. I'm really impressed by that. So what has been on your sort of media hit list lately? Uh, What are you listening to at the end of the day after a long, hard member drive to decompress and recenter?
1: Well, if you're, going to say, if you're going to say hit list, then we've got to go to what do you watch after Game of Thrones, which for, me, which for me initially is Barry, right, which is a yep. show about a hitman, which I uh, tied to hit list. And then I'm also just like getting dragged around by all of this television, desperately trying to figure out what am I going to watch because uh, whether you like or hate or love the ending of Game of Thrones it is the kind of thing that makes you go, oh, maybe just one more. Maybe just one more show of something. I need something to, like, fill that addiction and to and to come off of it. So those are some of the things that are in my mind. But I just read this book called House of Nutter, The Rebel Tailor of Savile Row uh, by Lance Richardson. So it's House of Nutter. And he's this he's this tailor. This is very different than any Strong Towns thing, right, or pop cultural thing. But he was this tailor who made a lot of the outfits for, like, Elton John, back in the 70s. And I'm thinking about this, you know, this new biopic of Elton John that came out. And he made just these super eccentric and bold suits with the big lapels and all this kind of stuff. But what I loved reading about him was really, what does it mean to go into this place of several Road that's filled with tradition and keep the things of it that are valuable while trying to come up with a brand new vision? And I feel like so often that's the challenge that we face is to... Live within tradition and the value of time-honored tactics and techniques and things that we've learned, while still bringing ourselves to it and creating something new and different and that's expansive. And I just found that really in- inspiring, I guess personally, and, and a way to think about like uh,
0: you know life. Oh, I love that, and I cannot wait to see Rocket Man. It looks like a ton of fun. I mean, in the summer, I will see virtually anything in an air-conditioned room, but I will certainly see that one. For my submission to The Down Zone, I'm going to talk about... uh Tony Morrison's collection that came out recently. I just read it. It's called The Source of Self-Regard. And as someone who works for Strong Towns and like I read short form journalism and essays all day to populate our social media feeds. I'm reading our members' take on what they've done in their towns. I'm looking at every single time a city councilor says on like the public notes of a meeting and it pops up on my Google Notes, like or my Google alerts, you know, Strong Towns really impacted that. I'm reading that. So when it comes to the end of the day, I don't usually consume a lot of journalism. But Morrison's collection collects all of her essays and articles over the past of however however many odd years in her career. And I thought it was really marvelous. And There was one sort of run of essays in particular that I think the Strong Towns fans might be interested in where she talks about like the establishment of the literary canon, what it means and how it changes over time. And it just sort of gave me that that nice little spider sense tingle of, you know, Strong Towns fans would be interested in this because our literary traditions evolve incrementally over time. They you know our ideas of what is great and what is worthy evolves as we evolve and i just loved seeing that applied by such a brilliant brilliant person and yeah i just adored reconnecting with morrison's mind all right. Well, I guess that kind of does it for us today. Thank you so much again, John. And thank you to everyone who's listening for supporting the movement, for listening to Upzoned, and for doing what you can to build Strong Towns. Be sure to visit strongtowns.org membership and keep doing what you can to make your place a little stronger today. Take care, everyone.